Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everybody, welcome to another installment of Birdlands Night. Orioles getting the victory today, 5-2 to two over the Texas Rangers from Arlington. And in that new ballpark, it kind of looks like a sardine can from the outside, but for all intents and purposes, it serves its purpose there. I'm Paul Valley, the host of the Bat Around, uh, being joined by Joe DiBasilio today here on Birdlands Night. And Joe, fun game to talk about today. Orioles get that 5-2 to two victory. Jorge Lopez looked like... Uh, Looked like Cy Young to start the game. He retired the first nine batters on 34 pitches with six strikeouts. Uh, the first four innings, 54 pitches, eight strikeouts, no walks, no hits. And then he comes, I'm sorry, one walk, no hits. Uh, what did you see from him in those first four innings that kind of gave you hope for the remaining of the se- remainder of the season? Paul, every time you and, Guy, you and I host a show together, the Orioles win. Yeah, we need to do How it do you ex- how do you explain that? Uh, he, you know, he threw a pitch. Uh, I'm trying to think what inning it was. I want to say the fourth inning might've been the third. Um, it was a strikeout pitch, 97 sinker. Or maybe, was that in the third inning, Paul? I'm, I'm, I'm it's running together for me, but well, he had a, he had 96 mile an hour. I think all of his fastballs are technically sinkers, but he had a 96 mile an hour fastball in the second inning that he struck a guy out with at the top of the zone. He had another one in the third or fourth inning that um, broke down and away. Uh, it was either down and away or down and in, but it went to the right side of the plate at 97. I know which one you're talking about. I can't remember if it was on a righty or a lefty, but he was nasty those first four. But, right, and that's and that's and that's it. That's what that's what went through my head. I was like, wow. Um, so so I was impressed. You know, of course we discussed this, but you would want to see him go a little further than five, um, but. I, I liked what I saw from him. Um, it, it was fun, fun to watch, fun to root for. Um, so I, I was impressed. Good outing. The the key thing that he was doing in this start that he didn't do in his last start against the Red Sox is he was getting ahead of hitters um, routinely. And then when you saw when he didn't get ahead of hitters, and that's the first two batters of the fifth inning in Dahl and Solak, he gives up back-to-back homers. Just, he falls behind Dahl 2-0, finds, falls behind Solak 2-1, Gives up back-to-back home runs to right field. The second one, Anthony Santander almost made a spectacular catch. Just missed it just over his outstretched glove. But uh, he proved it today that if you get ahead of hitters, you can pitch at this level. And that's something that's going to be super important, not just for him, but for the entire Orioles pitching staff moving forward. Absolutely. Pitching, even coming out of the last series, um, has, has has been decent. You know, it hasn't. That certainly hasn't been been the hangup. Um, nice to see the bats come around tonight a little bit and help them out. Um, you know, and it gives gives us something to watch, something to you know to watch these young guys come out and and, and look good on the mound. Uh, you know, it's it's enjoyable from that perspective to be looking forward to that to see 
you know, even a guy like Matt Harvey the other night, Paul, like, what's what's he going to do? What's he going to come out here and do? So to see Lopez come out and have another good outing, um, good stuff. It's good to watch. Yeah, and, you know, Matt Harvey, he's kind of this guy. He gives you four and two-thirds, five and two-thirds. And then kind of, you don't want to say the wheels fall off because he fall off because he's only given up a couple of runs in each of his three starts. Now he was tagged for more than that on in the home opener, but he left with only two runs on his docket. Um, Lopez, and I, and I think this is more so Lopez coming out of the game. He pitched well, fell behind those two guys in the fifth, minute to get through the fifth inning after giving up those two home runs without giving up anything else. And I think that Brandon Hyde just kind of wanted to get him out of that game feeling good, having more confidence because the last start was a blow-up against, uh, against the Red Sox. Nobody pitched well. Every pitcher that pitched in that game except for Paul – except I don't, I don't want to say Paul Fry. I, whoever the last pitcher was in that game, every other pitcher gave up a home run in that game. Um, so he wanted to give his guys some confidence today. And taking Lopez out after five strong innings with eight strikeouts and only two hits allowed, that's how you build confidence for your pitching staff. You do want to see them – uh, get deeper into the games. But, again, innings are at a premium right now because you had that 60-game truncated season last year. You're going to need a lot of arms. but and it's, and it's still early in the year, still pitching in April. And I know that they're down in Texas where it's warmer and they're indoors. But you want to keep guys' arms healthy for the long haul. So I understand it. Um, I do expect him as the week, days and weeks and months go by to, let his, to give his pitchers a little bit longer of, of a leash as long as they're earning it. And, Jorge Lopez did it. Did a lot today to go towards earning deeper starts. And you're right, and that's something that I need to keep in mind too. Just watching this is that it is only April, you know. Um, and a lot of fans, I think, are looking at this season through a different lens because you're not necessarily worried about the wins and losses in, in the sense of, uh, you know, the course of 162. Obviously, we're rooting for wins because it's more fun. But when you're looking at it through the lens of the rebuild. And, you know, kind of analyzing, overanalyzing each guy, thinking about what they can do long term. Um, I, I think that's where, at least for me, sometimes it's easy to get caught up in. Man, I'd like to see him go seven innings, especially only at 75 pitches. Um, but you're right. It is only April. Um, so I, I think it, it is when you when you think about that, then, of course, yeah, let's let's pump the brakes, take it easy on him a little bit and you know, be ready for next time. Well, and, and, and again, also factoring into it, like I said a minute ago, is the fact that his first start he leaves having only allowed one or one run against the Yankees, and then Armstrong comes in, walks a guy with the bases loaded, and then gives up a grand slam, and the next thing you know, he's got four or five runs on it on his stat line. And then his last start, he blew up against the Red Sox. So it's if, if he had had two really good starts, his first two starts, maybe Hyde lets him go six or lets him go uh, seven um, in this start, but he wants him to feel good, and he pitched well enough to deserve the opportunity to win that game. And I think that's what was at the forefront, maybe even more so than the innings limit for Brandon Hyde. Now, Josh Soroka, the founder of this program, he says, nice to play nine, and it absolutely is. The Orioles just had a four-game series. Where they played two doubleheaders, four games, 29 innings. Man, we played on a Wednesday night baseball league where we played seven innings a game, and that's because of time constraints and field rentals and stuff like that, Joe. Major League Baseball, it ain't baseball, not playing a nine-inning game. Now, the way the Orioles swung the bats in those games, um, they they probably weren't going to win the games, even if they were nine innings. Um, tough go there for them, only getting to play 29 innings and losing three of those four games. And then the way they started the game today – 
I, I have not been a big fan of the Orioles' approach at the plate this season, to say the least. And then you see today, Mullen strikes out on four pitches, including a breaking ball in the dirt in the first inning. Um, and then Santander on the second pitch of the at-bat grounds out. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there and you're like, oh, man, six pitches. The And they've already got two outs. And DJ Stewart comes up. And DJ Stewart is batting third in this lineup because – Right now, aside from Cedric Mullins, despite his two four strikeouts, he did have a nice game. He, aside from Cedric Mullins, DJ Stewart's the only person that's long to know how to have that bat right now. He uh, saw eight pitches in that at bat. He eventually struck out, but he's batting third in this lineup because he can take walks, he can get his base hits, and as we saw, he can put the ball out of the ballpark like he did tonight. Um, but the Orioles, after that first inning, I thought their approach looked much, much better. I was happier to see some deeper at-bats. Uh, they got to Fulton Evans. They made him throw 82 pitches in five innings, seven hits, five five runs off of him. Um, in those middle innings, the second through the fifth innings, what were you seeing from this team that maybe was a little bit different than what we've seen in the past? Well, and I think I, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was going to ask you about that, Paul, with, with – just the way that this season has gone at the plate so far. Like you said, you have Mullins, who goes two for four. He's been so hot. He went two for four tonight, and his batting average dipped. Um, he, he left He left the game hitting 396, um, which is down a little bit. But outside of him, I do think Santander has had some good at-bats. He just hasn't been able to, you know, to finish them off. Um, you know, he's battled in, in a number of games, had some long at-bats, uh, you know, a couple games ago when he's up 3-1 and then lays down the bunt, which he was getting grief for, but if it would have worked, you know, it's one of those deals. But anyway, um, I, I have cons- – to answer your question, the approach through those innings I thought was much better. Now, after that, after we got out of the fifth, I, I don't think they had another hit the rest of the, well, rest of the game. Well, um, Colby, Colby Allard was absolutely exceptional. He was. Three innings, five strikeouts on 45 pitches. He was very good today. But big picture, I, I don't know, and this is, Paul, what I wanted to bring up with you. I don't know, when do you start to panic and st- start thinking like, geez, this, there's a lot of guys in this lineup that are going to be flirting with 200 all season long. Um, even a guy like Mancini, just he's barreling up some balls, but he continues to, I mean, what's his average down to now, 150? Somewhere around 150. At, at, at what point, where are we at, Paul? At what point do we say, uh-uh? Well, these, these, these guys are, are going to get high. And, I, and, I, and I've watched Santander barrel up some balls and, and run into some bad luck. Um, in his second at bat today, well, you go back to the, to the game, one of the games, the first game of the doubleheader on Thursday, uh, he absolutely barreled up a ball and it went right back to the pitcher. It was actually the second game of the doubleheader. The tying runs on second base with nobody out in DJ Stewart. And he barrels one up. But hits a little low line back to the pitcher, who catches it and turns turns a double play uh, to get the to get anybody would have been dead to rights at second base on that ball was hit so hard. Then tonight in his second at bat, he barrels up another one, hits it hard back up to the pitcher's mound, hits the mound, slows up in time for the second baseman to get to it on a ball that should have been for all intents and purposes up the middle and possibly driven in a uh, driven in a run. He did get the the runner over to third base with now only one out after that after that ground out. Um, I actually liked what I saw from Santander tonight. Uh, his, his first at bat, he was a little over aggressive, but the second at bat, he had a 
a ground ball to get to get Mullins over the third base, his third at bat. He had a, a deep sacrifice fly to center field to score Galvis after he had doubled and reached third base on a base hit by Mullins. It was um, team at bats for Santander, and this offense is going to go as far as Santander carries them. He's going to be hitting in the middle of their lineup. It's important for him to, to hit well and produce runs when they're out there for him to produce. You know, he had a great approach in spring training, led the team with 10 walks at a 40-87 on base percentage. And he has just two walks early on this season. Um, right now, I'm, we're all concerned about the offense, especially when you look at Trey Mancini. Um, Santander's a microcosm of the whole thing. They're just not drawing their walks. And then you look at a guy like Trey Mancini, who was struggling. He's, he's got three home runs in the, last, in the last seven games. But he, had, he went 0 for 4 today with four strikeouts. He leads the majors in grounding into double plays. Looks lost at the plate. He's been a victim, man, of chasing that high and tight fastball that he's always chased throughout his career. But a lot of times you see him get the hands in and get the, get the barrel to the ball on those, and he's just not doing it right now. He will come around. He's got the track record, to, and he's proven that he can do that. I just think he's putting a lot of, a lot of pressure on his own shoulders. I think that he's uh, trying to do too much coming back from colorectal cancer, and he wants to prove to everybody that he's still the same player. I think we're going to see him get the day off tomorrow, personally. So you're telling me to be patient? Yeah. Is that a, your long, advice? A long-winded answer to your, to your question. Okay. So it's just funny. wait. But it's hard, man. It's hard because we're all fans, right? We're, we're all fans, and you want this team. We get it. They're in the middle of a rebuild, but you still live and die with every win and every loss. Right, right. right. So it's it's hard to sit there and be patient. But there's some good things. Uh, Freddie Galvis homered in the game yesterday, um, and then he had a triple in his first at-bat, scored a run, double in his second bat, scored another run. So he looks like he's starting to break out of things uh, uh, Rio Ruiz hit an opposite field home run in Apo Taco that was a no doubter that he absolutely pimped coming out of that box. So it was Stewart. Nice. Stewart gets his first homer. Stewart, man, Stewart might be my favorite player on the team right now. The the, the guy you and I has, both like him. He, the guy has trouble catching up to a 97, 98 mile an hour fastball, but when he gets the barrel to the ball, he does a lot of damage. His contact to damage ratio to me has got to be up there. He gets on base. He has good at bats. I mean, we mentioned that eight pitch at bat in the first inning. Uh, it's it was nice to see him get that home run, and you know he's batting third third in this lineup for for a reason. So Orioles offense kind of breaks out a little bit today. The pitching was fantastic. Um, Lopez again five innings pitched, two hits, two runs, eight strikeouts, and just the one walk. And then the bullpen comes in, and man, the bullpen was good was good tonight. Four innings pitched. Two hits, uh, no runs, uh, and seven strikeouts with no walks in those four innings from the Orioles' bullpen. Paul Fry, man, we were worried about him. And he's got himself a 1-5-9 ERA right now. In the inning in two-thirds, he struck out three batters. Bullpen did good. Did great tonight. You had uh, Cesar Houdini Valdez again um, getting the job done. Uh, I, I with you, I, I thought I was impressed with the bullpen, um, and, and that's good to see because they have not been impressive outside of a, a guy or two so far this season. So um, good to see a clean bill from from them tonight. Yeah, it was nice um, to see them bounce back after kind of costing their team the game in game one of that doubleheader yesterday. I mean, they were 
leading that game 2-0 in the fifth inning, and then Tanner Scott couldn't hold the lead. Uh, well, Harvey gives up the two-run homer in the fifth, and then Tanner Scott gives up the two runs in the sixth by because he couldn't throw his fastball for strikes. He threw 11 fastballs in that sixth inning. and Or, I'm sorry, yeah, in, in that sixth inning. And only nine of only two of them were ball were strikes. He threw nine balls of those eleven fastballs, so he's throwing nothing but sliders. Crawford sits on one, but we're not talking about that game. We're talking about this game. The bullpen much better today. Um, and chiming in here. Go ahead, Paul. It, it, it's hard, man. We're, we're we're so used to. I mean, you go from John Miller to. And Fred Manfra to Joe Angel and and Jim Hunter, who has been discourteous to me recently, so I won't talk too much about him. Was well, um, he? No, we'll have to talk about not, that on, on the next show. We're not going to get into it, man. I'm not going to. I'm not going to drag a dude through the mud. But uh, but anyway, who was um, on the radio tonight? I, and I was uh, I was watching on TV. Who was on the call? Jeff Arnold and uh, Brett Hollander. They've been doing a lot of the games for the Orioles recently, and. I like those guys. I think that they do a good job. The problem is that so John Miller and Joe Angel, they had those they had those iconic voices, right? And those iconic calls. And Joe uh Joe Angel was famous for always pronouncing somebody's name right. And we don't get that a lot these days. Kevin Brown does a nice job of it on the TV side of things, but it's hard to connect to people that you don't know that you only saw in a truncated seat with no fans. A lot of times it they're not broadcasting these games when they're when the when the Orioles are on the road. They're doing it from Camden Yards, so it's a little difficult to connect because of fly ball. And then they have to wait to see what happens instead of seeing it in person. It's it's just one of those things, and you guys will connect eventually. They're they're still getting their feet under them, and they're gonna get better. We're gonna appreciate them more. They do a solid job, and they're all professionals, and they're all they're all really good people too. I, and, and I hear what Ann's saying. I, like, I, I feel the same. You know, it's, it is hard to connect, but, but like Paul says, we'll, we'll get there. Those are short. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Short season last year. New new voices. It's always tough with change, but stick with them, man, because that's all we got. So we got to learn to connect with them. Yeah. Uh, I miss Gary Thorne from Ephraim Steve. It's funny. Um, my fiance and I were talking about that watching the game today, that Gary Thorne just had this, this propensity for bringing levity to some of these games. And, you know, in a game where the Orioles were pretty much in control throughout – there, was, there wasn't much need for levity. Um, but Gary Thorne had this thing about him. And when we're hearing, and when we're hearing Scott Garceau, you know, he even, he even alluded to it in the broadcast that 
you know, they're not at the stadium. They're watching it on the same broadcast that we're watching and having to call the plays that way, that it's more difficult, you know, and uh, Gary Thorne will probably be struggling with it too right now. So I, I think that we need to, I think we need to give these guys a little bit more time. I, you know, once they can, once we get back to a sense of normalcy and we're on that, we're headed there, you know, once the, they, they get to go to these other stadiums, get to call games live uh, in the ballpark, I think that we're going to see them get better. We just, we need to give them a little bit of time because it's unusual circumstances for everybody, not just them. It's hard. It's, it's sterile for them. You know, Josh chimes in here, just that, you know, having to watch remotely and it is, that's the, they feed off the crowd just like we do watching the game and just like the players do. So no doubt, you know, as we get back to that, we'll start seeing that hopefully that, that intensity, that levity kind of return. Because yeah. that adds to the fun for us too. Yeah, and and the other thing that you have to realize is that it's it's hard to broadcast games for a losing ball club. And Joe Angel, he went through that 115 loss season. Then he said, "You know what? I'm done. I, 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 I'm out." And the Orioles lost another 108 games. And it, it takes a pros pro, and not that these people aren't pros, but. You know, I, I, I watched every pitch and every inning of that game on Sunday. And it was it was tough, man. It was one of the ugliest games I've watched. It was hard to watch the Orioles get their brains bashed in. And I had to watch every inning of it, you know. And these guys have to do that for every single game. I didn't do it for one, and I wanted to, like, go take a break or take a nap or something like that. These guys have to do it for 162 games. So I'm sure that as hard as it is for us to watch to watch this, it's, it's even harder for them to have to – you know, analyze these games and put a positive spin on things and do it day in and day out for six months. So things are going to, as the team gets better, we're going to get better with the broadcasts. And uh, I think that we're going to see things that we really start to enjoy once the team starts playing better baseball. Agreed. 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 Yeah. So yeah, the, the, the Orioles go out tonight. They beat the Texas Rangers five to two really good pitching on both sides. It's funny, man. It was these two, uh, these two teams, Led the majors in strikeouts coming in. Orioles 135, the Rangers 134. And then no big surprise then, 26 strikeouts between the two teams today. The Orioles struck out 15 Rangers. The Rangers struck out 11 Orioles. And it was it was nice to see. They, the Orioles only struck out six times in each game against the Mariners. Now, it's 24 strikeouts in 29 innings. But it's better than what we've been seeing, where we watch them strike out 10-plus times every game for about an eight-game stretch. And they kind of got back to it tonight. That they, they, they played well in the middle of innings. And then that Rangers bullpen, another rebuilding ball club, that Rangers bullpen kind of shut them down. Um, but I think that we're going to see less strikeouts. But it, it's just entertaining to watch these two teams that are, have such a propensity for the strikeout go out there and whiff 26 times tonight. Yeah, and as you look, of course, across the league the last three or four years, you know, obviously everybody's striking out more. It's hard. It's hard to watch. It's it is such a, a per, personal for me um, pet peeve watching a, a team that strikes out so much. You know, not that they're trying to or anyone is, but it's it is so just frustrating to to not have any movement. You know, on the base paths or anything. It's just a, a lost out. And I'm hoping that we continue to see this regression. You know that the, the to decrease the the strikeouts that as the season goes on, these guys get more bats underneath them, change their approach a little bit. Um, because whew, 
it's it's hard. It's hard to watch. I don't well, I don't like it. You you look at that um well you, you look at that twenty sixteen Orioles team and they started the season seven and oh, but the offense kind of kind of struggled uh at the offset or at the outset of of that twenty sixteen season. And then mid April they get, they take a trip down to down to Texas. They end up having a nine-run seventh inning where Mark Trumbo hit two home runs in the inning. Kind of jump-started their season a little bit. It jump-started that offense, and then they kind of really got things going. I remember watching them in 2015. Um, the offense kind of struggled to get going, and then on Mother's Day, they pounded out like six home runs, scored like 12 runs in a win, um, and really, really jump-started the offense. So I think as the weather starts to warm up, the Orioles have some power in their line. Mancini's not going to hit 151 all year. Santander is not going to hit, what is it, 191 all year or 196 all year. So, and on the inverse of things, uh, you know, Mullins isn't going to hit 396 all year. You know what I mean? So these bats will even out. They'll start to score more runs. And I think that the, this trip to Texas could be the start of that, although they do go up against Dane Dunning, who has a solid arm uh, for Texas down there. So, uh, and the Orioles seem to struggle with young up-and-coming pitchers when you look at uh, – Nick Pavetta, and you look at who was who was the guy, um, who was the second starter for the, for the Red Sox in that series in Baltimore, or I'm sorry, the series in Boston. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I can't um, remember it either. But he was he was like the, he was like the 17th overall pick in the draft in 2017 or 2014 or something like that. But and, and then with Colby Allard, who was the 14th overall pick in the 2015 draft, they seem to struggle with these young first round draft picks who are supposed to be big arms coming up. Struggle with Marco Gonzalez the other day. Um, so you was, could was it a Valdi? No, no, no. Avaldi's been around for a while. Um, I can't. Re- I can't remember his name off off the top of my head. If if you find anyway, unimportant at this juncture. Yeah, but the, but the whole point of that is that the, that the Orioles seem to struggle with these young stud pitchers. So tomorrow could be a tough one, or maybe they come out and they swing the bats well. That remains to be seen. It's going to be Dean Kramer going tomorrow night on short rest. Only threw 54 pitches in, other, in his last start. Threw, had that eight-pitch first inning, Joe, uh, and then he retired, I think, the first seven batters that he faced, and then the wheels fell off in the third inning. He ends up giving up four runs in that third inning. Uh, Dean Kramer, it, how long do you think his leash is? Do you think that he has a few more starts before Hyde starts to worry, or do you think it's kind of put up or shut up at this point? No, he has a few more starts. Uh, you know, his his early struggles are there. I don't know who's if there's anyone that they're ready to turn to long term. I mean, Dean Kramer's one of their one of their young arms. So if this is a rebuild, right? You know, yeah. You're going to struggle. You're going to work through your pain. You're growing pain. So he, he's got a leash there. Um, he, he's one that certainly rooting for, and I'm, I'm hoping he has a good start tomorrow. I'm wondering who are we going to see come up to from the taxi squad to maybe replace somebody that's not hitting just to maybe inject some, some life. Who do you think? Is there anyone that we, we might see coming up? Well, the only people right now that are struggling above and beyond, it's really Trey Mancini. He's having the most struggles out of anybody in the lineup right now. You're, and you're not going to replace him. You're not going to replace Severino. Um, I think Ruiz, for some reason, these guys absolutely love Rio Ruiz. So, so excuse me. So he's not going anywhere. Um, and you have to remember, uh, Austin Hayes is expected back either Sunday or Tuesday. So when he comes back, you're probably going to see McKenna go. 
I think that these guys are on the practice squad. I actually wrote this in the, in my notes for the bat around for tomorrow. I, uh, I, I, in my notes for the bat around tomorrow that, um, you, you have Yosniel Diaz, Isaac Mattson, and Richie Martin on that, on that taxi squad. They're more so there in case somebody gets hurt. Like what, like what was the case of Hayes in the third, third game of the year. They're not going to come up to replace anybody right now, especially when you only have a three man bench. Uh, Josh Soroka says, bring up Richie Martin. Galvis is struggling. Um, Galvis' defense hasn't been what we expected it to be, but the bat's coming around. He had a double and a triple today, a homer yesterday, and I think he had another base hit yesterday. So the bat's starting to come around. His defense just needs to be better. I don't think it, that you trade the offensive potential for Galvis for the defensive potential uh, of Richie Martin when defensively, Richie Martin make, might make more flashy plays, but I think Galvis will catch more ba- more baseballs if that makes if that makes sense. What about Mountcastle? He's not going anywhere. Just got to work through it up here. Yeah, he's 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 got to work through it. He, he um the thing with Mountcastle, he didn't strike out today. He came into that Seattle series leading the majors with 17 strikeouts, and now he struck out just twice in the last five games. He's making contact. Got a little unlucky today. Got under some baseballs, but there was an at bat that I saw. Uh, in the in the first game against the Mariners in that first double header, where he laid off some fa- high fastball fastballs that he's been chasing, and I tweeted out Mountcastle's about to send one to the moon because I I could see his patience, and then literally as soon as I hit send, he doubled to the wall in left field. Um, Mountcastle, and then he had a, he had a nice little hitting streak there. Mountcastle's bats coming around. You're gonna see him get hot. Maybe it's the, it'll be the warm weather in Texas that gets him going. But that, that dude's about to take off. And I think that the Orioles know he's he's too good of a hitter. Um, and his approach has gotten better. He's really cut down on the strikeouts the last five games in particular. That they're going to give him as long a leash as possible. Because he'll end up being the best hitter on that team. I hope so. I hope so. Waiting for it. Ephraim Steve said, I like watching Mountcastle trying. I like watching Mountcastle play. The guy's got a pure swing. He's a, he's a professional hitter. And when the season's over, his numbers are going to be there. you got to remember, it's still just, what is it, April 16th? It's still just April 16th, guys. You know, we are, we are two weeks into this season, barely two weeks into this season. So it's hard because we watch these games and we live and die. Like I said, we live and die with everything the Orioles do. But we got to remember, they're two weeks into the season. And the Kansas City Royals are leading the AL Central, for Pete's sake. The Seattle Mariners are leading the AL West. None of this stuff matters right now. It's what's going to happen in May, June, July. And these guys are going to – Mancini's numbers, they're going to be there. Santander, uh, Mountcastle, their numbers are all going to be there. So uh, – and then one last thing from Ephraim, Steve. How many, many more years we got to pay Chris Davis? I, I only put this – Forever, up. Ephraim, forever. They're never <laughs> not going to pay put him. This, this comment up because we haven't talked about Chris Davis, and thank God we haven't, but – Look, I think he's played his last game with the Orioles. They have to pay him this year. They have to pay him next year unless he retires. Um, and they're going to cut bait. He's not going to play this year. And they have to pay him at least $1.8 million a year until he's 53 years old. So he's, what, 35 now, 34, 35? So another 18 years, Steve, they, is how long they got to pay him, another 18 years. So get used to it. He's the Bobby Bonilla of the Baltimore Orioles. So, hey Paul, don't tell the Yankees fans that it's only two weeks into the season. They were throwing batteries or something onto the field tonight. Did you see that? 
I did not see that. I'm sure I'll see. I don't know if it was batteries. It was they were throwing they were throwing stuff onto the field. Well, they were getting their doors blown off by the Rays last I saw. Um, yeah, they they lost to the Rays tonight. What was the final score? Eight to two. Eight to two. Yankees are five and eight. Look, the Yankees, and that's another thing. That's another. It's too early scenario. The Yankees are not going to be finish this year five and eight. The 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 Rays at six and eight. They're not going to finish under five hundred this year. You know, and just like the Red Sox, everybody thought the Red Sox were terrible, and they rattle off nine wins. They seem like they're doing it on both sides of the baseball. It's way too early to make judgments on this season. Talk to me at the end of May, beginning of June, when when things really start to get going. Teams are still getting their feet on their their their, their legs under them. Josh Soroka said at one point in this, pitching is dominating across the league, and they they talked about potentially in the Atlantic League, the end of that independent league, moving the mound back a foot, and they're going to do that this year because strikeouts are an all time number at an all time high, and that's. A, because half the pitchers throw 100 miles an hour, and B, all the hitters are, are, are so consumed by launch angle and just hitting the home run that it's all or nothing. You know, the, the, the three true outcome baseball, walks, strikeouts, and home runs have never been more prevalent than they have been in the last three years. Uh, it's, it's, just, it's just one of those things where we kind of got to sit back and not make too much out of things. You know, it's just too early. Sure, sure. I mean, it's like we said previously, it's not just the O's, it's across the league. It has been. It's a total paradigm shift in the game from these kids coming up, you know, in travel leagues and, and certainly the college level where they're teaching the launch angle, they're teaching home runs because that's what gets them noticed. And, you know, they carry that with them, which allowed them to be strike out less, certainly at those levels. But then when they get to, to the pro level, you got to take the the power with the immense amount of strikeouts. Cause like you said, everybody's throwing 97, 98. Uh, so it's a different, totally different shift and outlook for, from that perspective. And I'll, I'll be interested too, to see how that works. Moving the mound back a foot. Um, yeah, uh, I, strikeouts, uh, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna yeah, add infuse more offense. I was watching the video of Grayson Rodriguez pitching at the alternate site, or I, I'm sorry, down at um, minor league spring training from the other day. And he was throwing a fastball that would start out at like, uh, it said it started out at max velocity was 101 and crosses the plate at 96. So just in that 60 feet, it loses my, five miles an hour off the off the off the fastball. You move the mound back a foot, that fastball becomes even more hittable. So it's you know it could be something that works. I don't know that it's going to stick. The mound hasn't been moved in 127 years, I think I saw. So I don't know. I I don't know why they keep trying to fix baseball. I don't think it's broken. You know, just just go out there and play the damn game. Yeah, who knows? Because, you know, they haven't had runners starting on second base either. So I, I think they're they're desperate to to do weird things to to get what they're after. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, they, they keep trying to do different things to make this game to make this game more relatable to, to certain markets. Well, the, you make it more relatable by marketing your best players like Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and Fernando Tatis. And nobody talks about Juan Soto outside of Washington and Baltimore. And that dude's the, be the best hitter on the planet. We hear about Acuna because he does crazy things, but Juan Soto is a, might be even a better player. Baseball's real problem is that they don't market their players correctly. Once they start doing that, they're going to get more people watching the games because they'll be able to relate to these 
young, exciting players. Look, man, we've done we've done about 39 minutes or 35 minutes after the countdown on here today. So I think we should probably kind of wrap things up here. Orioles get a nice victory to start out that series down in Texas. Five to two today. Tomorrow it's Dean Kramer facing off on a Saturday night against Dane Dunning. Um, any closing thoughts for this show today, Joe? Another enjoyable show with you, Paul. I look forward to uh, following the rest of the series and tune in tomorrow night for another Birdland tonight. Yeah, me too, man. I hope I didn't dominate the mic here too much. I, I kind of go off on tangents because this is I, I love talking to Orioles baseball. So feel free to, to give me the let's wrap it up sign. Uh, your, voice is, your voice is soothing. I enjoy it. Oh, well, thank you. You're the first person in my life to ever say that, so I certainly appreciate it. All right, guys, I'm Paul Valley. This is Joe DiBasilio. That's going to do it for us here on Birdland tonight. Tune in tomorrow night when we have two more great hosts. Not sure who they are right now, but I know they're going to do a great job. Uh, we'll go. We'll talk to you guys next time. Go host. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.